Welcome to the Lounge Podcast presented by DraftKings. We are here in Indianapolis. Gary Downing joined by Clifton Brown, and we want to talk about everything that we're seeing here on the ground at the NFL Combine as the Ravens scouts and coaches are all here along with everybody else around the NFL. This is kind of the NFL universe this week. Now, earlier this week, uh, Cliff, Ryan, and I broke down what John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta said during their press conferences on Tuesday. But today, I just want to get your take on what we're seeing out here, what we're hearing from draft experts, as well as some of the Ravens uh, people behind the scenes. So I guess just to start things off, what has been your big picture takeaway and view of where the Ravens sit at this point of the offseason? Well, I think coming here where you see the whole league together gives you a better appreciation for, you know, where the Ravens are. I mean, they're picking 30th because they had a great season. Um, there are a lot of teams that, you know, really are looking for all types of things, starting with a franchise quarterback, so many teams with new head coaches, new general managers trying to establish what their philosophy is. And, yeah, the Ravens year after year come here, you know, being a team that, you know, has so much continuity, whether it be, you know, the front office, head coaching, the scouting department. Uh, for them, yeah, this is another opportunity to build on something that they've established a long time ago. And yes, there's going to be a lot of change in offseason. We know how many free agents the Ravens have. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of player movement. We've already seen a lot of movement on the coaching staff with people departing and then coming. But the Ravens organization, I think it shows when you get all 32 teams together and see other coaches talking and general managers talking about where their teams are compared to where the Ravens are, uh, they're starting really ahead of the curve, uh, you know, again, heading into another offseason. Yeah, I think that when you walk around here and you've been to a number of combines, I've been to a number of combines, you know, I think that one thing that, to your point, that stands out is you look around, whether you're in line at a coffee shop or walking the streets, and you see people who are wearing different logos now, but they started in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And they, a lot of them are very high up with other teams. Like Joe Hortiz, I'm checking in my hotel room, and there's Joe, who's the new GM of the Chargers. And you know, we, it, was, it was great to catch up with him and talk to him. But he's an example, and he's one of many. Joe Douglas, mm -hmm. general manager. I saw uh, him in know, the hallway, the, right? I saw him in the hallway. You right. see these people, and it's kind of like fun catching up with a number of them. And then a bunch of names that you know fans don't necessarily know, but important people behind the scenes, both from a coaching and a personnel standpoint. You see the impact, I think, that the Ravens have and the, how well-respected the team is and the organization is around the league because a lot of people want people who have been in Baltimore as coaches or as evaluators. And so like that, you know, that tree is, I think, continues to spread around the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, interesting. It'll, now we're seeing, you know, even more of the, you know, John Harbaugh tree, coaching tree spread out as, as people on his staff take different jobs. But yeah, the combine, it's I always love to look at the we have, we'll see them on the field, but some of the players, when you see them walking around with their, you know, credentials on and with their number, their jersey, uh, you know, kind of workout jersey on, getting ready for the workouts, which start on Thursday. Um, just how big this is for them and how this is the only time they'll be at the NFL Combine. I mean, mm -hmm. every year we come, but it's a new group of, group of players who do this one time for three or four days. They've been getting ready for it for months. And even though, you know, there's always debate about how important the combine is, it does carry some weight and it gives you some insight, I think, into how 
players deal with pressure, how they deal with being scrutinized. It's really one of the first major steps that they'll have as NFL players. And then, yeah, I just look at some of these guys who many of them, when they walk by me with no name on, I don't know who they are. Mm. But it's the, gonna, the, yeah. it could be the future of the league. You could. Yeah. You never know. And, and a lot of them. Yeah, I think it's the other thing, too, in, in looking at the Ravens this year that's interesting is it it's just so hard. I think it's hard to predict every year how the draft's going to play out. But I think this year more than recent memory. And there's a, a number of reasons for that. I think that, A, it's where the Ravens are picking. They're picking 30th right. this year. So try, trying to guess and predict how the draft is going to fall in front of you is is next to impossible. Yep. And then the Ravens could go so many different directions. And so, you know, last year it was like, all right, they're going to take a wide receiver likely early. You know, first first few rounds, you know, mm-hmm. right, wide receiver. You know, so we knew to spend a lot of time looking at the wide receivers in the corners, you know, last year. A lot of talk about that um, at this point last year. This year, when I look at the Ravens, I mean, they could go a million different directions. It could be offensive line. It, it could be pass rusher. I wouldn't rule out a corner. No. I, you know, we're going to talk about receiver. It could be a receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like all these, could it be a defensive lineman? Maybe. They, you could just go all these different ways. And so I think that, like, it makes it really challenging to really get a good feel, I think, of the prospects because it, they, it really could be, I think, so many different directions. And there's not at all a consensus about which way it's going to go. Um, but I think that I, – I just think that the Ravens are, are going to be in a position where they just truly say, we've got a number of needs to fill. Sit back and play best player available. And that sounds cliche, and everybody talks about that, and the Ravens have said that, but, like, I really think that like they're going to take that approach unless it's a center who's sitting there or a quarterback who's right. sitting there. But like, I think they're going to take a best player available approach and have that ability to do that this year. I would agree. And we know how much the Ravens trust their draft board. Uh, Eric DaCosta always talks about that, you know, leading up to the process. You know, you don't have to go back too far. I mean, Kyle Hamilton was a player that people weren't mocking to the Ravens at all before the draft. Wasn't expected to be there. Uh, you know, when the Ravens pick came and certainly that wasn't their most pressing need to add a safety. They trusted the process, picked him. Look where that's ended up. What a great player he's been for them already in his career. So picking 30, as you said, I mean, to pinpoint two or three guys is going to be almost impossible. I think even when you get up to draft night, because you just don't know what's going to happen in front of them with all these teams looking for quarterbacks, there's going to be people trading up, you know, and moving around the board. But when it becomes time for the Ravens pick, uh, if they decide to make a pick, you know, they could obviously, you know, decide to trade out the first round. But if they make that pick at 30, I think they're going to do what they always do, trust their draft board, uh, not so much worry about the position, more more so the player. And, yeah, they do have, I'm not going to say pressing needs, but they have – needs with so many people possibly leaving where they could look for a number of positions where they can find somebody who might be able to plug and play right away, like a Linderbaum, like a Hamilton, like a Zay Flowers. They've been very good in recent years about finding rookies in that first round who make an immediate impact. And at 30, I still think that's possible they can find someone like that. Yeah, that's that's certainly going to be the goal and the priority. So someone who knows a thing or two about how the Ravens operate is, is Daniel Jeremiah. 
on the NFL Network, and, and he's their lead draft analyst and, and knows the Ravens, was a scout here, still has great relationships inside the building, really respected guys. So I had a chance to catch up with him here at the Combine. So we're going to play that interview and then share some thoughts coming out of the interview. Ravens fans, I am here with Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. You can watch him on the Combine coverage all week long. So, Daniel, I want to get your take on this draft and how it pertains to the Ravens. Just, just to start, big picture, when you look at this draft, how do you feel like the strengths of this draft match up against what the Ravens need? I think it matches up pretty well. You know, you start with the with the tackle position. It's a really deep group of offensive tackles. So uh, that could be a direction that the Ravens look to go. I feel like uh, for 10 years now, we can even though they're hitting on them, we can still say receiver every year <laughs> just because it's fun. Uh, you know, obviously it's a it's a good group of receivers. Corners is deep. Um, so no, I think there's uh, I think that marries up pretty well. And the the thing about the Ravens is, you know, they'll. It was such a good job of just letting it play out and see who falls. And I joked on social media the other day that somebody asked, who are the Ravens going to take? I'm like, well, you tell me what great player is going to fall down there, and I'll tell you who they're going to take. Yeah, in terms of the offensive line, I know that in, in your latest mock, you have him taking Wims out of yeah. Georgia. You know, we'll see if he ends up making it to 30. And just with this offensive line group, why is it that you feel like this is a talented group? And, and how deep can you go and still get a potential plug-and-play starter in this class? Well, I think there's a lot of them, but they're going to go. I mean, it's such a premium position. So if, if I have, you know, eight guys that I have in that first round range, I think there's a chance we see all eight of them go in the first round. And then after that, I think there's you know, some intriguing guys, but I think it starts to kind of fall off uh, pretty significantly after that first clump of guys. Um, and then when you look, you know, kind of on the interior, you've got a handful of those guys, and I think there's a gap before you get to the next wave. So offensive line-wise, I feel like we're going to jam them all in to one and probably take a little bit of a pause, and then you'll see another run start going a little later. Now, you mentioned wide receiver. It seems kind of crazy to think the Ravens could take another first-round <laughs> wide receiver, but they've done it yeah. in three out of Eric's first five drafts as a general manager. Would it shock you if you went first-round wide receiver again? I would be surprised but I wouldn't use shock. I don't think I'll ever use that word. <laughs> but just, I mean, when you look at the AFC, and they, I mean, they're right in the middle of it, when you see the firepower of the teams that you're going to go up against, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with adding more weapons. You know, I don't know that you ever have enough from that standpoint. But, uh, man, if they could just get a clone of uh, Flowers and throw him in there, I think they'd be okay with that too. Yeah, the other a way to address kind of the firepower pieces is running back. And the Ravens got questions at running back. Gus Edwards, free agent. J.K. Dobbins, free agent. Keith Mitchell coming off the injury. Eric DaCosta talked that they want to add pieces to this running back mix over the course of this offseason, whether it's free agency or the draft. What is your impression of this draft class in the running back position? It's, I think there's six to eight guys that are very similarly graded, and not, none of them carrying a first-round grade. I don't have them in, in my top 50 players. But I think that's the, the part of the draft, late second round into the third round, where there might be a game of chicken where people are kind of waiting to see when the first one's going to go. Maybe I don't want to be the first one on this ride, but I want to get on the ride before it stops. So I think we see a run of those guys, like late two into the early portion of the third round. I think you'll see a, like six, seven, eight of those guys. Okay. And the other thing that's interesting about DaCosta's draft strategy so far is that, yes, there's been a lot of wide receivers, but the Ravens have also bucked the trend in certain ways in terms of taking positions that don't have as high of a value. They took Kyle Hamilton and picked number 14. They've taken a first-round center, and they've taken a first-round inside linebacker. 
What does that drafting history, does it tell us anything about what they could do moving forward this year and, and how that could affect them in this year's draft? It helps when they have done a good job of building up the line of scrimmage. You know, It gives you the luxury to be able to take some of those quote-unquote non-premium positions. So when you're in pretty good shape defensive line-wise with depth, you're in pretty good shape as they've been offensive line-wise with depth. That, that affords you the luxury to take those non-premium positions. But it also just goes back to they're one of the few teams. Everybody says it. The Ravens, you know, believe it and, and it shows up in their actions is that it is best player available. We are not going to bypass a great player uh, at a position where we're comfortable to take a good player at a position of need. They just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And pick number 30, if the Ravens were to go pass rusher, that's another spot that, you know, that's the thing that makes this draft so interesting for the Ravens. You could go pass rusher, you could go offensive line, you could go corner, you could go receiver. But at pass rusher specifically, they've got questions. Clowney's a free agent, Van Noy's a free agent. You know, they've got some young pieces there, but who are the guys in that end of first round range that you think could make sense? Two guys, I would say Darius Robinson from Missouri makes a lot of sense, and he's kind of a big, rugged edge rusher. He means he's 286 pounds and he plays on the edge, so he kind of fits the way they like to play their real rugged uh, dude. And then, you know, Chop Robinson doesn't have the production that you'd want, you know, but it's just something the Ravens are familiar with and just take buying the traits, believe in the traits. Uh, super, super explosive, and uh, and that would be another one I would consider. All right, well, Daniel, you're going to try to get any intel out of Eric this week? He's not saying anything. <laughs> you kidding me? No. One of his buddies. No, I'm not getting anything out of him. He's tight-lipped. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks. So just good stuff from uh, Jeremiah. I think, you know, on the tackles conversation, he made the point that there's about, you know, eight really gr- good tackles who could probably step in and play right away and you know maybe a couple more but there's some drop off after that point and those guys could all go like in the first round Mm -hmm. do you think like you know do you think that in hearing from him that makes it more likely that the ravens end up going with a first round tackle because i i kind of i'll answer my own question first like i kind (laughs) of feel like in hearing from him if the ravens the offensive line is is a big priority if they're going to add a potential day one starter you probably need to get that guy in the first round. And, and that's kind of the point that, that Daniel made there. What is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, sure, that it's been a while since they, you know, jumped on a tackle in the first round, and it's hard to it do was that. Ronnie. It was Ronnie. And obviously, they, it was number six, I believe, yeah. in that year. Well, at number 30, it's hard to find, you know, a tackle, harder to find a tackle that's going to turn into an all-pro. But someone who can step in right away and possibly, you know, help you immediately, this draft is supposed to be very deep at offensive line. So the timing is good for the Ravens in that respect. Um, that in a, in a facing a situation where they need an offensive line or feel that they need to address offensive line, that this is a deep draft for that. So, sure, I think that at some point during this offseason, the Ravens are probably – going to draft an offensive lineman, and then I could see them signing a veteran offensive lineman as well. Uh, it may not just be one, or they, maybe they'll draft two offensive linemen in this draft at some point. But the offensive line is going to be addressed uh, this offseason. I think both Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh have made that very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know when people talk about it being a deep class along the offensive line, I think that can show up in two ways. One, you could get a guy in the fifth round who you draft and develop and ultimately moves into a starting role. The Ravens have done that, I think, with really good success mm-hmm. with their offensive linemen at, at multiple positions, and there's a number of those guys around the NFL. Um, and then 
The other piece of it is depth, like within the first round, for example, because in some years you're just like, all right, there's these two tackles who are at the top of the class. And then after that, it's a big drop off. That was kind of the Stanley draft. It was Ronnie Stanley and Laramie Tunsil at the top of that class. And mm -hmm. then there was, and then there was a drop off. Those mm -hmm. were two guys, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. But if, if it sounds like a lot of these draft experts feel like, and Jeremiah kind of spoke to this, like there's really good tackles throughout that first round. And so if you're sitting there at 30, you may be able to get a player that in most years you wouldn't necessarily be able to take at that spot. So this could be a really good year to end up taking that offensive tackle late in the first round and end up in a good spot. So I think that's good. The other thing, you know, a point that I'm curious, you know, I asked him about, would you be shocked if the Ravens took a receiver mm -hmm. in the first round? And he said, maybe not shocked, but surprised. What about you? Would you be shocked? No, definitely You would not, not be shocked. shocked. I would not. Okay. I just feel that that's a position, obviously, that Eric DaCosta values a lot. Number one, you look at his draft history and it shows that. Number two, I thought it was interesting he mentioned at his you know, combine pressure that, you know, wide receivers comparing them to race cars that, yeah. you know, that they they break down sometimes. And, you know, you need I forgot exactly how you, you need kind of to have replacement at that position. And he said, you know, we saw that last year with, you know, guys you know, getting nicked, that position you're running every play, uh, you know, getting a wide receiver to play 15 or more games healthy and where speed is so important, even if you have a minor thing, you're just not the same receiver until you get all your legs back. To me, that's on his mind that, yeah, do we have enough depth there? Do, you know, we don't know about Odell's situation returning and, you know, Duvernay's a free agent. Could we add another wide receiver there? Yeah, it would not shock me at all. I just feel that if there's a guy that they think it is going to turn into a, a good NFL wide receiver, that even though they have positions that might seem where they would go to first, if he's the best player available at wide receiver, I believe that's who they'll take. Yeah, I, I think that it would surprise me because the league values – like wide receivers get pushed pushed up the draft board mm -hmm. so so often, and we've seen that plenty of times where, you know, receivers can just start flying off the board, and I think that it's to get like a really good receiver at thirty um, is is like who could be an immediate player, especially when you have more pressing needs. It seems unlikely to me. It just seems like the draft wouldn't necessarily fall in that way. Now it could. Stranger things have happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like if if you could get a really good tackle there, I, it just I did I just get the sense that like this like this draft is a really strong offensive line draft, and right. if you want to work on rebuilding the offensive line, like this is the draft to do it. And so I, I just I, that's just the vibe and the feeling that I get. And so along those lines, I also talked with John Harbaugh here at the combine. So we're gonna play that interview for you now and. The offensive line is certainly a big piece of that conversation. Hey, Ravens fans. I'm here with head coach John Harbaugh at the NFL Scouting Combine. Coach, as we are here in Indianapolis, what's really the main focus for you and the coaching staff this week? Really, just big picture-wise, to get better, to find ways to get better. There's a lot of uh, college prospects coming into the NFL now from this last season that are going to be op an opportunity for us to get a look at and talk to and get to know a lot better and see how they move and see how they think. 
and uh, just get started on this draft process. It's been a busy offseason for you already. Lots of coaching changes. You announced new coaches this week. How has that process gone in terms of building out this coaching staff? I think it's gone really well. You know, you have it's challenging in one sense, and I think sometimes we might have a tendency to go, oh, no, you know, we've got, we're losing these guys, and coaching is the same as free agency. That's the way it works in the National Football League. People do a great job, and they get an opportunity. Sometimes maybe as a player you sign a bigger contract, hopefully with us, but mm -hmm. sometimes with another team. Or as a coach, sometimes you get an opportunity to move up with your team, or sometimes you get a chance to do it somewhere else. You know, we had so we had guys go. Mike had a chance to go be a head coach in Seattle, so that's a great opportunity for him, and we're really happy for him. And then we had guys go off and be defensive coordinators. You know, Denard's going to Tennessee, and Anthony going to Miami, and uh, Chris Hewitt interviewed to be a defensive coordinator at a couple places, so all those guys had a chance. And then Zach Orr will be a defensive coordinator right here with us. And then we hired coaches. Mm -hmm. We had a chance to bring guys in, so I'm so excited about the different guys that we hired. They bring unique things to the table, and really the idea really believe it or not you know as good as we did and as many opportunities that were created for coaches by the jobs that they did we think we can improve you know we got to keep it moving we got to keep uh, keep keep it getting better and evolving and growing all the time and trying to outpace our competition everywhere we can you know last year when we were having this conversation the big focus on the coaching front was the offensive coordinator role and obviously you hired Todd Munkin and, and a lot of success for this offense and Lamar Jackson the first year with him what is your view of what the second year I know you're excited about it I know Lamar is excited about what the second year under Munkin's offense will look like that's exactly right you know we had we we started and we, we we had so much to put in and we were doing so much and we're, we're going forward and we're taking we think big steps then you go back and you look and in a lot of ways it's baby steps yet we had success I mean Lamar is a great football player we had a great group of guys that were bought in I thought Todd and all the coaches did a tremendous job right through the ranks I can name every one of those guys I thought they did a tremendous job and yet we go back and look at it and we say we can get so much better we can, we can improve in so many different areas because now we're in an offense that really is dramatically different than the one we ran before in terms of the way we operate and get to the line and how we call plays, how we deal with things that the defense is giving us. So we got right to work on that, honestly, Monday after the championship game that morning. We got to work, and we met as an offensive staff. We said, okay, let's put our ideas together throughout the course of the week. And we met again Thursday and Friday and talked about our direction. We'll meet again in about two weeks and we'll have a more of a plan formulated. So how do we take this thing and take it to not just the next level, but the next number of levels? Because I think between the first year and the second year in this offense, when we're not just introducing it from day one and everybody's like, oh, how does this work? Now they have an idea how things work in this offense that we're building. And, and Todd has an idea too. You know, He's got an idea along with T and all the other guys in terms of what the guys do well, what fits their brain a little bit, and then the way we're going to be attacked. You know, We saw that. Some teams did a good job against us. Some teams didn't. The teams that did well against us, we need to study those teams. And we need to find a way to counterpunch what they're doing to us. Now, free agency is right around the corner. Combine is one piece of this. And you start having conversations this week about where guys are going to go and contract extensions and all that yeah. stuff. Free agency, on one hand, it's exciting because you can potentially bring in new pieces, but you also have a long list of, of talented free agents this year. How do you view free agency for this team this year? Well, you know, for me as a head coach, it's real simple. I just I want everybody back. Get everybody. <laughs> Let's go. I don't know that that's possible. <laughs> well, you know, I know, but I want everybody you back. Want everybody back. <laughs> so uh, Eric, I think Eric kind of works from there, and, and uh, <laughs> we all do. But uh, we do. We want to try to bring everybody back that we can. We know the odds on different situations and circumstances and what they are. And we've got our focus on different guys. And 
I'll be disappointed because we won't be able to bring everybody back. And I'll be really disappointed about the guys that we can't or don't bring back or that choose to go elsewhere even because they just got a better opportunity or better deal just for their career. But I'll understand it. You know, it will make sense to me why. Nobody's going to leave here because they're not happy here, because they don't want to be here, because they're not getting an opportunity or because they're not treated well. I mean, the guys, I feel really good. Just ran into um, the agent for Javion Clowney, just walking in the street, and he grabbed me. And he said, I said, what do you, th I said, I told him I love him. He said, I said, what do you think? How'd he do this year? And he goes, he goes, this is the first year he's ended the season happy. That says something right there. That says so much right there. It says so much for, for everything, for everybody in, in the organization. So maybe we can get him back. You know, we're going to try, along with Kyle and, and a lot of other guys. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'll be rooting for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the offensive line is an interesting position, I'm sure, as you go through this free agency process. That's going to be – you have pending free agents there. You could add pieces in free agency. And you talked on podium today about how just building that offensive line, that's, that's a focus. That's something that you believe in just fundamentally. How do you view this rebuild process – you could go through on this O-line? Well, Aaron and I were talking about a month ago after the game, and basically the point was we've done this before. We've had to rebuild the offensive line a couple times before. When we first got here and two times since. So this will be the fourth offensive line rebuild that we've been through uh, since we've all been together. And I, I feel confident that we can do it, but we have to do it. It's of utmost importance. When you have a good offensive line, it, sets the, it paves the way for a good offense. It paves the way for all those skill guys running around and making their plays and having success. So it's priority number one. Uh, hopefully some guys will be back and it won't be a total rebuild. Uh, some guys won't be probably because it just won't be able to happen and they'll get opportunities elsewhere or whatever happens. Uh, but we're going to do our best again to try to keep everybody we can and then bring guys in. It is a good draft for offensive linemen. So that's that's good news. The timing is good there. So we'll have a chance probably, I'm quite sure, to add some guys in the draft. And then lastly, Coach, running back, too. We're talking about offensive line and running back. I mean, these are kind of core fundamental things that you believe in as a football yeah. coach. Win in the trenches, have a strong running game. You have questions at running back. You have pending free agents there. What do you view as the, as the as a priority from a running back standpoint? I, I mean, I, I just know that that's something that you feel like is really important to have a really good running back and running game. And how, how do you want to attack that position? Well, actually, absolutely right. I mean, you can only block the, the play for so many yards. You know, then all of a sudden guys start showing up. I mean, there's great defensive players in this league, front level, second level, and then the secondary level. And those safeties show up pretty quick, too, and they're really hard to get blocked. So you got to take care of those guys in other kind of different ways. But you can't block everybody. So a running back's ability to make guys miss, to uh, gain yards after contact, just to create yards on their own, that's a big deal. We try to do it with scheme, too. Lamar does a, helps us so much with his ability to throw the ball, his ability to move around and just draw attention to himself. That creates space for the other guys also, so we understand all that. But still, a back's ability to take on a tackle make it miss and get more yards after the after the contact or after the attempted tackle to create missed tackles it's massive and we've had guys that have been able to do that you know so we need to we need to even build on that and keep improving on that awesome coach well we appreciate your time enjoy the week here in indianapolis thanks garrett so obviously we talked about a number of things there but but the o-line you know he spelled it out there i think more than he had previously and talking about how this is the fourth rebuild of the line that the Ravens are going to go through since he's been here. What did you make of that? Wow. That, to me, that makes you feel even stronger that, yes, they're, as I said before, they have clearly focused on the offensive front as being an area that they're going to address pretty heavy-handedly, I feel, this, this offseason. And, yeah, look, I mean, the Ravens obviously feel great about some of the skill positions players they have, even, even with the questions at running back, 
to have a good running game, you need an offensive line. Uh, Lamar Jackson, coming off his second MVP season, to be as effective as you want him to be, he needs time to throw it. As John Harbaugh says, that's where everything starts. That's the engine of the offense, the right. offensive line. And the Ravens have established themselves the last four or five years as being one of the top running teams in the NFL, no matter who's carrying it. And then last year, I definitely feel like the passing game took a jump, and it was only year one of Ty Monken being the offensive coordinator and Lamar and Monken building their relationship. So for the offense to take a jump, which I think it definitely could next year, it's probably not going to happen unless the offensive line plays well. So they feel that way, I believe. And so, yes, they're looking at, okay, you know, we've, we've got a great quarterback and we've got weapons and we believe in our offensive system, but to make the whole thing work, we have to make sure our offensive line is one of our strengths. I mean, him saying it's priority number one tells you kind of all you need to know. Like, mm -hmm. that's how the Ravens, and they were talking about it right after the, the season ended. They were discussing the offensive line. How can we get better in this area? So I think there's going to be investment on multiple fronts. Could be through free agency. And then I think multiple picks in the draft. Like, right. multiple. There's going to be multiple. Now, that maybe that's the first round and the fifth round or something right. like that. But I think they're going to take multiple offensive linemen and, and then also add through free agency. And, and again, I just think that everything that they've indicated, including in that interview that you just heard, is that they want to invest heavily in that area. You know, of course, also interview or ended that interview with the running back conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and going to what Harbaugh said and what Daniel Jeremiah said, I just think that that's going to be an interesting situation to watch draft-wise. I know that we've talked running back-wise and could the Ravens be players in the free agent market mm -hmm. with all the big-name guys who are going to be there. Maybe. Like, I wouldn't rule that out. I think there's a possibility there. But if they wait till the draft, I thought Jeremiah, Jeremiah made the interesting point about how there's, you know, it's like there's not a Bijan Robinson in this draft who's going to be a top 10 pick or right. Jameer Gibbs. He doesn't have any running backs in his top 50. But you got about six to eight guys there who are kind of that late round two, maybe round three pick. And once they start going, they're going to go quickly. And do the Ravens just try to wait and see if they could get somebody in the draft? I mean, that is an option, but, you know, if there's not like this high-end guy, you, you and, and hearing from Harbaugh, they want to have, you know, a dynamic running back. So if you wait to the draft, are you going to be able to find that guy in the draft as a day three pick? Yeah, I think you can, number one, to answer that question, because, yes, I feel that, you know, you can get, as many say, a good running back later in the draft. You don't have to jump on it right away. And yeah, the Ravens, I feel, you know, you look at what a running back, a young running back can do as a contempt for a contender. To me, you know, great running backs, if they're on a team that's not really a Super Bowl contender, sometimes you race, you waste their best years early when they do have the most juice. Kind of they're putting up numbers, but, you know, the team may not be winning. The Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. And if you have a back who really is giving you some, some pop uh, to go along with what they already have, and then Lamar's special skills already put more stress on defenses trying to stop the Ravens' running game. Yeah, if, if there's a guy that they feel, you know, day late, day two, day three, a running back who can help them, I, I don't feel they have to, to go that way early. And I do think that they will 
pick a back at some point in this draft, I just have a feeling that they want to make sure that they have depth at that position, regardless of what may happen, you know, with Gus, you know, in, in free agency and JK, that's a position where we've seen depth is important. And I feel that, yeah, to get a young running back that they like uh, in this draft would be, would be a good thing to have. Uh, that, that, that could really make a difference in their offense, particularly late in the season. Yeah, look, if you, we saw it last year with Keith Mitchell. Like yep. when, he, when, he was, when he was healthy and he was running well late in the season, it changed the offense. Sure did. And like, I just felt like he was going to be such a, a difference maker for this team in the final weeks of the regular season into the playoffs. And like that injury was crushing. It was. I think it, I think it changed what the Ravens were able to do offensively because he was just such a difference maker that teams had to account for every time he got the ball in his hands, he was electric. Now, and he's also the case, like he's the case for why you don't basically take a first round running back. Mm -hmm. you, you got him undrafted, undrafted and the guy was electric. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the story. That, that that, that's right. the case. It's right. like, the, like, so you, you could, you could go the invest heavily, go a first, first, second, third round pick. Mm -hmm. The Ravens have tried that with JK as a second round pick. I think JK was going to be great, you know, before the injuries, but or you could just get a guy undrafted like you did with Gus Edwards and like you did with Keaton Mitchell and feel like, okay, well, we have really good running backs we found undrafted. And Eric DaCosta did say in his press conference they feel like there's going to be some quality undrafted running backs in this class as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll be, as always, looking for all avenues to do that. But, yeah, my guess would be running back for the Ravens isn't coming off the board, you know, before the end of day two. I, I feel that. Yeah, we talked about wide receiver earlier. Maybe that's a position when they move to the offense, after they get past the offensive line, that might be the next spot they look to fill before they start looking at running backs to draft. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to share the interview with Ravens Director of Player Personnel, George Kokinas. You're listening to the Lounge Podcast. We're coming to you from the SeatGeek studio. We want to give a shout-out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the Baltimore Ravens. They have a promo running right now that you don't want to miss. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the code FLOCK when you download it and you can get a new customer deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, the code is FLOCK only at DraftKings. You need to be at least 21 years or older to play and physically present in Maryland. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. So this year at the Combine, a tradition is always catching up with uh, some folks on the personnel side. And for several years, it's been Joe Hortiz. This year, it's George Kokinis, who is the Ravens Director of Player Personnel. And, uh, you know, just to kind of set the stage here before we, we share some of that, George is not new. You know, George has been around for a long time. This, he's been in the NFL for 33 years. Moved with the, the Browns to Baltimore back in 1996. So he knows this team, this organization, about as well as anybody. Um, but this is the first year that we've done the combine interview with him, and he's kind of stepping into a slightly new role with uh, Joe Hortiz moving on. So we want to play a portion of that interview with him, which I think shares some insight into how he approaches the combine and how that will impact the Ravens draft strategy. Well, I think with any draft and wherever you're picking and, you know, no matter what round, I think you try to see where the clumps are in each round and, and try to gain value and see what 
see what can produce uh, and, and serve a role uh, at some point in the draft and to help your team. As far as you know, the first round, everybody's always concerned about the first round. And I think the first round is a little bit about runs, really. The quarterbacks are always talked about early. Uh, and then there's certain positions like the tackle position and the corner position and the receiver position. And where those runs come in the draft, uh, you just got to, you know, pivot off of that. Like last year, the run on receiver, I think, happened about 20 mm -hmm. with uh, Njigba. And then, you know, Johnson went to the Chargers and then we picked Zay. And then Jordan Addison went to Minnesota afterwards. So that run was there. Now we're picking 30. Mm -hmm. So we get to assess the board, see what's available, what best fits us you know, in terms of our scheme, what we want to do, what kind of person the player is, and we get to pick from there. So in terms of the combine, I'm curious how you, you marry what you see on the field during the workouts with what you see on tape and what you see from a college production standpoint. How do those all kind of work together in this process? Well, I think anybody that knows me, they, they know I love watching offensive linemen for <laughs> whatever reason. And then when they come out here, you know, everybody seems to be disinterested, so to speak, like, you know, because they're not running in the four twos and the four threes. Uh, but I love watching the linemen work out. I mean, you know, you get to see what you what what you don't see on tape a little bit in terms of movement. And so some people would say, well, if you're not seeing it on tape, what you know, what's the difference? But like that is that's the point. You don't see it on tape. So sometimes there's different offenses. They get the ball out quick. You know, you can't even really see the linemen move around. Like, how do they recover, uh, you know, the bubble screen? Sometimes you see them always in a two-point stance. And here you get to see them in a three-point stance. How do they step, come out of their, uh, out of that three-point step, with uh, uh, three-point stance and come out with power and be able to turn the corner. So there's definitely things you can see out here in the workout that you don't see with linemen. So I, I, I really like that. And, and uh, you know, of course, the defensive backs, everybody wants to see how fast they are, but there are times on tape where you can go four or five games where you don't see the ball thrown at a player. Mm -hmm. So how do you really assess their ball skills? So any something, you know, th through the combine, you can see how the guy approaches the ball, how soft his hands are, uh, is he confident in his hands, can he track the ball, you know, that sort of thing. And, and sometimes it just helps you fill some gaps in the evaluations. You know, so I think it's pretty good that, that George's that he loves watching offensive linemen, <laughs> given all that we said today about <laughs> offensive linemen. So I think that he is going to be relied upon pretty heavily uh, with that. Um, but what's your you know, take? You, you were here and listening to, to George. What, what did you take from that interview? And also, uh, you know, you can watch that full interview on our app, our website, and our YouTube channel. But what was your takeaway from it? Well, just like the Ravens have built a deep roster on the field, they also have a deep front office, in my opinion. And George is a part of that. I mean, as you mentioned, he's been here so long, knows how the organization thinks, how they scout players, uh, how they draft. Yeah, he's he's a part. He's been a part of building that. And, you know, Joe Hortita, I think he'll do a great job with the Chargers. But to have someone like George and others in the front office who can just keep on moving the, way, the Ravens' way of doing things, it's one of the blessings the Ravens have for having so much continuity for so many years within their personnel department. The way they work together, I think George, yeah, it, it'll be more the same for him. He's, 
He's been coming here every year. He feels right at home here. Um, yeah, I just think that the Ravens, the continuity they've built in the front office and him being a part of that makes losing someone like Joe Ortiz much more seamless than it would be in, in other organizations. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. I think that in, in talking with George, you just get the sense that like he has been through this a million times and he's got fun combine stories of, you know, being here and scouting players and talking with, um, you know, helping to draft and select some of the best players in Ravens history. And he's been a part of that yeah. throughout at, 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 a, at a pretty senior role for a long time. And I know he's been more of a behind the scenes guy, also really involved on the pro personnel side as well, but he's been a vital piece behind the scenes of, of this organization and building this roster every year. And so I think that having a deep bench, you know, you lose a, you lose a great evaluator and, and Ortiz, okay, well now you turn things over to somebody who's, who's done great in his own right in, in Kikinis. And I just think that that speaks to the, the quality and kind of goes back to what we were saying at, at the outset of this. You look around and you see people from who have been in Baltimore who are now with different organizations. It's because I think that people, you know, believe in the way that the Ravens build coaching staffs, build personnel departments, and, you know, George is an example of that. Right. And I mean, in the Ravens organization, I think there's definitely, you know, starting to time a philosophy of, you know, hiring great people and then letting them do their job. So there's there's always been a feeling of working together. George knows how the Ravens like to work together and that his opinions have always trusted and been sought out. So, yeah, even though, again, you know, Eric talked about, you know, having Joe sitting next to him for so many drafts and he won't be there anymore, there'll be a change. But just like, you know, when the change was made a few years ago when Eric became general manager after Ozzy, mm -hmm. it, you know, the train kept moving. Yep. So, George, again, you know, having people like that within the organization make it much easier to deal with you know, when you lose good people, and that happens to every organization, every organization that has success is going to lose some people. That's just, that's just the way it goes. But can you sustain it after those people leave? The Ravens have proven that they can do that, and George, having people like George is one of the reasons why they've been able to. Yeah, totally. I also think in, in hearing from him, just kind of about the process, I think you know, he made the point that there can be runs in the draft, which we all see, you know, and there's always a run in the first round. And whether that's at receiver or tackle, you know, I, and the Ravens, you can benefit by basically, you can go either way. Last year, the Ravens got on that merry-go-round, you know, with the third guy and taking Zay Flowers. Um, but you can wait, you can go a different route while everybody's going for the, everyone's going after the receiver. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when the Ravens go for the tackle, right. you know. And so I think that every year, especially when the Ravens have had their quarterback in place, you want to see a quarterback run. You want to see a quarterback run. Get those guys out of there. But whatever run doesn't happen this year almost benefits the Ravens. So if there's a run on wide receivers, okay, you could take the tackle. If there's a run on tackles and wide receivers, well, okay, you could take a pass rusher. Mm -hmm. You know, you could just go, you could kind of buck the trend. And I think that that's an interesting way of looking at how the Ravens could approach this draft. Yeah, I mean, and again, being a team that is deeply talented, regardless of what happens in free agency, yes, they have uh, more luxury not to reach and to feel good about whoever they take, 
regardless of the position. And yeah, as we've talked about before, the Ravens could go a lot of different ways and help themselves. The key is just to, to pick the right player, you know, regardless of position. And I think the Ravens are in good position to do that. Picking 30th, you know, they, that's where you want to pick. It, you know, means you had a great season. Rather be picking 32, but yeah, they they are prepared for this. They're used to being, you know, not the top of the board. Uh, we've talked about how the offensive line being deep is probably a real advantage for them in this draft. And yeah, I mean, I feel that even though it's going to be hard to pinpoint what they do, they're in really good position to help themselves with someone who, as we mentioned before, can help them immediately regardless of what position they take. Yeah, so I feel good. I mean, I honestly, after after being here, talking with Ravens coaches, talking with George, talking with, you know, Eric and hearing their press conferences, I, I just get a sense that, you know, I, I just, I think the Ravens feel really confident about where this team is. I think that they feel like the offense is going to take a leap. I think that they feel good about the players that are going to be able to target in free agency, the ability to keep some of their own players like Justin Matabike, mm-hmm. um, who will, you know, either be signed long term or like or, or the franchise tag. I think one of those two options certainly. Hopefully, they mm-hmm. get the deal done. But I just think that the Ravens feel good about where they are, and I know that there's concern about, you know, you have this great season and, you know, it ends in the AFC Championship. How are you going to get back to that point? But I really get the sense that the Ravens have a confidence about their ability to to reload and and get back to that point. Yeah, I mean, the cupboard is is still quite full. I mean, you think about the Ravens, okay, if you were starting a team with Lamar Jackson, uh, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, you know, Zay Flowers, yeah, Tyler Mark, Linderbaum, Mark, An- Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, Justin Matawike. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a real that's a, good, that's a good starting point. <laughs> exactly. That's a good starting point. That's what they have, regardless of who else may be leaving and who else may be coming. Yep. And then, then you've got John Harbaugh as a head coach. You've got Eric DaCosta and the front office, which has proven that they know how to draft. Yeah, the Ravens, they're in good shape. Um, I, I think, yes, as you mentioned, coming off the loss of Kansas City when, you know, the whole city is feeling like they're going to go to the Super Bowl and it not happening, you know, that kind of has changed the perspective when you look at the big picture. But – yeah, as Eric has mentioned several times, they don't believe in windows opening and closing as far as opportunities to win a Super Bowl. That was an opportunity to get there. It didn't happen. But the window's definitely not closed for the Ravens. It's wide open and making sure that maybe next year they can walk through. Part of that will be what they do this offseason to improve their chances. And I think that, yeah, with this draft, the number of picks that they have, and as good as they are at doing it, they certainly are in excellent position to start next season with a team that has a chance to, to bust down that door. Well, I like the sound of that. So <laughs> as always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We're going to continue to break down everything that we've seen out here in Indianapolis from the combine. So there's a lot still to take place. And, you know, we spent all this time talking the, the, the workouts out on the field still are going to unfold over the course of the next few days. And, you know, that'll help kind of solidify some things from a prospect standpoint. So there's a lot more to discuss, and uh, we will continue to do that from Indianapolis. And also, we'll be back with you next week on the pod. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again soon. Mm-hmm.